Welcome to this edition of Stories of Dad. Alright, on this go-around, we're going to talk about some stories from the days of the Air Force. Yep. Going to jump ahead in the chronological order of things here, just to tell a couple stories that, I don't know, I think they were interesting, fun. Maybe not at the time, but later on, they seem to be. As you all know, I, you know, for five, five years or so, I was stationed up in Andrews. Air Force Base in Washington, D.C. Part of the time that I was up there, I was on flying status. So I would, you know, me and three other Air Force cops would fly with certain planes when they flew across the country or flew across the world, and that's what enabled me to have the opportunity to visit the 30 countries I did while I was in the service, except for the one where I was stationed. Some of these trips took me to some really unusual locations. And one of these places was uh, Somalia. And we went on this uh, trip to several locations in, the, uh, in Africa. We went to Somalia. We went to uh, Senegal. We went to Sudan, Kenya, Zaire, uh, places like this. But this one particular stop was Mogadishu, which um, you all probably are familiar with from the movie, you know, and the events of Black Hawk Down. That's where that all took place. But, of course, my visit there was many, many years, probably, I'm guessing, 20 years before the events that took place on Black Hawk Down. And at the time, we had a military presence in uh, Somalia. It was... um, a Navy group, and they were stationed at this little, little airport outside of Mogadishu, and they flew uh, P-3 submarine finders. They're prop-driven aircraft, and they were used for, you know, monitoring and locating submarines and so forth. At the time of our visit, we, uh, the P-3 crews were not on station. They had gone off TDY, temporary duty to someplace else, or were gone on training. I forget exactly what it was, but they were gone. Um, so they parked us, parked our aircraft out on this. And when I say a little airport, it makes Inverness Airport look big. It was two little buildings in an L shape. And normally the P3s parked up by these buildings. There wasn't even any hangars. It was just these buildings. And then there was a taxiway and a little parking, um, aircraft parking area off to the side. And they had put us out there away from the buildings. We were probably three or four hundred yards away from the buildings and um, surrounded by desert. There wasn't anything else out there. I mean, we were far enough away from Mogadishu, you couldn't see the buildings of Mogadishu. Now, we were staying in um, the same quarters that the P3 crew stayed in, in Mogadishu. These were, they're based, I don't know what else to call them, but mud huts. Um, I mean, they were, they were plastic, but they weren't even cinder blocks. They were just molded 
clay, I guess you'd say, but they had all the amenities. There was power, there was no air conditioning, but there was power and there were fans and you had bathrooms, running water, all that kind of stuff. It was just, you know, different. And if you ever watch the movie Black Hawk Down, you see the buildings, you'll get an idea of what it was like, because that's pretty accurate. And we would, you know, we'd have one guy stationed out at the aircraft 24-7, and um, we'd had a driver that would drive us out, drop off the, the new guard, pick up the off-going guard, and bring them back to, the, to our quarters. I happened to get stuck on the night shift. I was never big about night shifts in foreign countries, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, especially third world countries because to some degree you're usually just on your own so uh, anyhow uh, I get the driver picks me up at the quarters and takes me out to the plane and I go out there and I forget who I relieved Um, we did a briefing and we had a car that was uh, parked right at the uh, stairs to the to the aircraft, and there, there's no communications. A lot of places we would have plug-in phones that would plug into the ramp. We'd be able to communicate with the embassy if need be, but this didn't have that. It didn't exist here. So uh, you're on your own, and I mean you're in nowhere. So I get the plane, he gets in the car, and he leaves. He had told me he hadn't... Um, seen anybody in a while even though no movement up around the buildings or nothing um, which the buildings were lit so I could see the buildings and like if, if somebody were to walk by I'd be able to see silhouettes if they had but you know so I could see that but out where I was it was pitch black I mean I could turn the headlights on the car if I wanted to and you know I'd see some stuff but so I'm sitting there and it's pitch black so you, needless to say, uh, I'm sitting there. I've got a snub nose 38 with 18 rounds. I'm thinking, you know, does Somalia have lions or leopards or, you know, roving bands of murderous pirates, land pirates, whatever. So I'm sitting out there. It's, you know, it's late and I'm kind of, you know, uh, you know, trying to keep my eyes open, you know, so I can see things. But, I mean, it's dark as shit. Uh, now, now, let me correct this. On the opposite side of the aircraft, there was a lighting unit um, that lit up the opposite side of the aircraft. So some of the light shined through up underneath the aircraft, but my side of the aircraft was really not lit up um, at all. And so we're facing towards the L-shape of the two little buildings that are off in the distance. Well, as I'm sitting there, you know, in my my dozy in-and-out state, I look out and I I see something, and I'm I'm wondering, is that a person? And, And it's coming towards me. And I'm like, hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of doing the shake the heads, rub the eyes. Am I just seeing stuff? Because it's so far off in the the distance. And it's coming from the direction of those buildings. So I can see the silhouette 
off in the distance. What's getting closer and getting closer and getting closer. Was I'm watching this, all of a sudden, these figures appear around this shadow that I'm seeing walking. And, and it's other shadows. It's other figures. And it's they appeared out of nowhere because there's nothing out there. There's no trees. There's no brush. There's just desert. And these things pop up out of nowhere. And they converge on this figure walking towards me. And as I start to look around, I notice these figures around my vehicle. And so I turn my headlights on and I'm able to see there's people. These, they're soldiers. They've got weapons. And I'm, I'm kind of frozen for a minute. And they, they take this guy. So I shut my headlights off because I'm thinking I probably shouldn't have done that. Now they know where I'm at and I'm here and that kind of shit. But the, the figures that converged on the figure that was walking towards me, they now walk away, and now I can see there's, there's a group of them standing with this individual, and they're walking back towards the, the lit buildings. Well, as I look around me into the dark now, because by turning on the headlights on my car, I've kind of really screwed up my night vision, so I'm just really just seeing shapes. And these shapes disappear. They're gone. And when I look back up to the buildings, those shapes are all gone. So needless to say, if I'd had to shit, I would have probably shit myself. Luckily, uh, I didn't have to pee because what I found out later, I may have caused an international incident. But anyhow, so I, I sit there the rest of the night. Now I'm on edge. My blood pressure's through, so I'm constantly, my head's back and forth, back and forth. I actually do get out of the car and step and stand beside my car, and I look around, because where my car is parked, I'm parked right on the edge of the, the paved or the concrete area where the airplane's parked. So I'm not standing in dirt or in the desert when I get out of the car, and I look around, and I don't see anything. Okay, so I get back in the car and I sit back down. And the car's running a lot of time because I've got the air conditioner on the car running. Because it's Africa, it's hot. Well, the sun starts to come up. And as the sun gets up to where, you know, you have that, that early dawn light where you can actually physically see anything, the lights on the building click off. And as they click off, all around in this desert around me, these figures rise up out of the sand in the desert. And they're soldiers. They're Somalian soldiers. And literally, one stood up right next to the passenger side of my car. Never knew he was there. He stood up, looked at me and nodded, and they all walked off towards the building. Guess what I did? I got out and took a leak because that scared the piss out of me. But they get off and they walk away. Not long after they left, my relief showed up. So I filled him in, told him all what happened. He got a big kick out of it because he'd been there before and had experienced it himself. And I was like, I wish somebody would told me, you know, give me a heads up this shit was going to happen. And he got a kick out of it. He goes, no, we never tell anybody. That's the fun part. 
So needless to say, the the the, the sand people um, were were pretty cool. They just literally buried themselves in the sand like a crab, and just laid there all night long. Amazing. It was truly amazing. Like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, being on flying status gave me the opportunity to visit a lot of different places. And one of my favorite places, and in, in when I say favorite, it was simply because of the culture and the the beauty of the place, was Thailand. Well, we we had a mission, and we went to several countries, and one of them was Thailand, and we were stayed in Bangkok. And we stayed at the Bangkok Intercontinental Hotel, beautiful hotel, uh, in the middle of the city. And the people were just so nice. It it was kind of heartwarming because a lot of the places that we'd go to, people were just shitbags. But in Thailand, they were really nice. They were friendly. They were helpful. And um, so every, most everywhere we go or we went, um, we have some sort of local support. If it's a, you know, if it's a U.S., Air Force installation, whether it's in the U.S. or overseas, it's easy. Um, they give you a, a tail guard, and you know you sit in your vehicle up at the front of the plane, and your guard sits at the vehicle, your assistant sits at the back of the plane, and you're roped off and all that kind of stuff. Well, in we stayed at the international airport in Bangkok, is where our plane was parked, and uh, we. Had a really nice vehicle, uh, really comfortable, so it was a nice setup. Now, another thing to remember is we have access to the plane um, when we're parked. We can go up on the plane, we use the bathroom, um, we can uh, fix food, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but one of the things they had warned me about um thank God for this particular case, they warned me, was uh, we were there during monsoon season. So, and when I say monsoon season, I mean, it's true frog strangler shit. It, uh, it comes down just by the tubs full. Um, I've never seen it rain so hard and so fast. But uh, anyhow, they warned me that, you know, that when it rains really hard, that the snakes can come out of the, the jungle and or out of the woods and they'll get up underneath the plane to get out of the rain because it's raining so hard. And I thought, yeah, okay, I might see a snake or something like that. And, you know, of course, I'm thinking, oh, shit, Thailand's got cobras and crates and really nasty shit. But they, so they recommended when you park your car park it so you can step out of the car right onto the steps so you're not stepping onto the ground. Um, of course, I didn't, I still to this day really don't see the benefit of that because the first step's like six inches off the ground and if a snake wanted to get up there, they could go up there. But you had to keep the door of the plane closed. You couldn't leave the door to the plane open. So, anyhow, um, I go out for my shift, and it's a daytime shift this time, thank heavens. And uh, I relieve 
you know, have my briefing with uh, the guy relieved, and he leaves, and I get in the plane, and we're at the airport. I've got, you know, two Thai military guards. Uh, one's at the tail, one's on the opposite side of the plane. So I'm sitting there, and my day is going by. I'm reading magazines, because we have magazines or books, and I'm reading. Of course, I'm watching. And, and we're also roped off. Um, I, even though it was a, a civilian airport, we were roped off. Um, and that was that's, that's cool, because it makes shit easier. You don't have any mistakes. People walking too close, and they weren't supposed to. But we're parked off away from other aircraft, but we're not out in the middle of the boonies. Um, and so I'm sitting there and I'm reading. I, I notice it's starting to get cloudy and overcast. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. And I said, are we going to, you know, have rain? It goes like that for a little while and it keeps getting darker and darker. Well, pretty soon this truck comes by and picks up my two uh, support guys, the tail guard and the guy on the other side of the plane. They drive away. And I'm like, all right, what just happened? Well, within just a few minutes, it starts pouring. Well, as soon as it starts pouring, I'm looking around thinking, what am I going to do? Now I'm stuck in the car. I can't go get anything. I got nothing to drink, blah, blah, blah. Well, I look, and here comes literally, I don't know what you call them, a herd, a flock, a murder, whatever, these snakes, all different sizes, colors, they come out of the jungle. And they didn't just climb up underneath the plane. They climbed up on the wheels. So there were snakes under the plane, under the wings, up on the wheels, in the landing gear. It was somewhere I have pictures of it. Um, and... Uh, it was like, I'm just like now, I was without words on what is happening here. And now this is long before I ever heard the term frog strangler. So I, maybe it was a, a snake strangler. I don't know. Well, it pours and it pours and it pours. Well, then the rain stops. And as soon as the rain stops, the snakes slithered away. They went back into the bushes. They came down off the wheels and the landing gear out from underneath the, the wings and went across the tarmac and went off into the grass and off into the bushes. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was afraid to get out of the car, even if I was going to step right across onto the, the steps. Uh, but pretty soon, here come a truck back off and it dropped my two guys off. They wave at me and they go back to their business. And I'm like... Did that just really happen? I, I, I could not tell you there how many snakes. And I'm, when I say snakes, I'm not talking your little three-footers, four-footers. There were some like that, but there were 10, 12, 14, just monster, not so big ones. not like they were andacondas, andacondas, anacondas, however you say that. They're not, not those kind of snakes, but they were long. Um, I'm sure there were cobras in there. Uh, there were colorful snakes. There were black snakes. There were black and white snakes. Uh, goldish color snakes. You know, nothing nothing reared up. So I go, oh, that's a cobra. But I'm guessing with that many snakes, there's probably got to be one in there somewhere. 
But it was just an amazing sight to see that many species that all utilizing man-made protection uh, to get out of the weather. It was just a sight to see, and uh, maybe someday you'll get a chance to see something like that. Oh, the last story this week is, you know, one of my favorite experiences, uh, I should say fun experiences I had while on flying status. Uh, besides getting to visit all these different countries, um, I got to do or attend some really special events or, or, or be in an area during a significant event. And um, one of those such times, you know, I mean, I went to Moscow for Konstantin Chernyenko's funeral, um, got to go to India uh, for Indira Gandhi's funeral. Indira Gandhi was the uh, prime minister of India, and uh, she was murdered by two of her Sikh bodyguards. One, two of her own bodyguards assassinated her. And as a result, there was huge turmoil in India because there's a you know, huge Sikh uh, population in India. And so they were, you know, it's kind of like happened here after 9-11 where all your Muslims are evil. And so we got to, you know, kick all their asses and, and, and so forth. And that's what was happening to Sikhs in India after the assassination of Indira Gandhi. So uh, I flew a mission over there with a bunch of dignitaries uh, for who were going to attend the funeral. And, the, of course, being it's a head of state or a head of government, there was uh, dignitaries from all around the world were there. So there's all these planes uh, parked at the airport in New Delhi. And uh, so we're in pretty, fairly close proximity. But the Indian Army had brought out um, a lot of military personnel, so all our planes had support personnel. But because of the turmoil going on in the country at the time, instead of just having one of us on duty at a time, they had two of us on duty. So there was four of us, so we would, instead of switching every eight hours, we were switching every 12. So two would go on and two would leave. And I was working with uh, Dave Clark. He was my cohort at the time on this, this particular trip. And we, we were on the planes during the day, and uh, they have a, almost like in Mexico, they have a CS. Actually, let me back up. When, when we first get to the land in India, we had to take a bus to the airport, and we stayed at the Hyatt Regency. Now, we're traveling from the airport to um, the Hyatt Regency in New Delhi. And if you remember, if you've ever seen the, uh, the movie uh, uh, 13 Hours, uh, the one about the, you know, the guys killed over in uh, Benghazi, and you see when Rome picks up Jack at the airport, and you see all the military guys at their vehicle standing outside this rundown airport. Well, that's, that's the way it was when we walked out of the airport in New Delhi and got on to our bus. Huge, huge military presence. But we also had a military escort from um, 
the airport to the hotel because of all the uh, violence taking place. So when we get to the Hyatt Regency, I mean, there's fires in the street. There's overturned cars burning. And we get to this big, beautiful hotel that has this huge fence with barbed wire across the top all around it, all around the property. And there's Indian military people all around the outside of this perimeter. So anyhow, we get to the to the hotel and we get settled and the night goes by. Well, the next day, uh, Dave and I go out to do the day shift to relieve the night shift guys. And we get out to the airplane and we've got um, like four um, Indian Army troops around our airplane, just our airplane. They were all over the place. They had them all around all the dignitaries. They want to make sure, I guess, nothing happened. So uh, we're actually staying on the plane at this stop. Uh, We're not, you know, in a car or anything outside the plane. We're actually literally sitting up on the plane. And uh, so it comes around lunchtime, and um, the guys had, they had earlier in the day, the the guards had tried to bum a cigarette from us, but neither um, Dave or I smoked. And so later on, and you know, feeling bad, and then I came up with this brilliant idea. We're fixing lunch. And so I figured, you know, since we didn't have cigarettes, I'm going to fix some sandwiches for the, the four guys we've got um, at the plane. And now they kind of have like a siesta time, I guess, over there in India, kind of like Mexico. And so these guys are up underneath the plane, sitting on the ground, leaning up against the wheel wells, or the wheels and the landing gear, you know, just chit-chatting, staying in the shade, getting out of the sun. So I come down with this plate, and I got four sandwiches on this plate, so I offer them to the guys, and they're all excited. Thank you, thank you. Gave them a, each gave them a water, and they were, you know, very thank you, thank you, and they went back to their seats and ate, and I came up, and I'm laughing my ass off when I get back up on the plane, and Dave looks at me and goes, what's so damn funny? And I said, I just sent those four guys to hell because I gave them beef bologna sandwiches. <laughs> because cows are sacred in India. You're not supposed to eat them. <laughs> and literally, when you're driving down the street, in India, there's herds of cattle crossing the road. It's ridiculous. But, <laughs> yeah, I sent those guys straight to hell. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the stories. Um, I've got a lot more. Uh, hopefully, you're finding them interesting. Uh, if there's anything in particular you'd like to hear, let me know. And... Uh, I'll have some more for you next time, right here on Stories of Dad.